I love the talking guy show. I hear two guys talking. 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 Two guys talking are here. I hear two guys talking. Scams are one of the most dangerous threats today, especially when it comes to our elders. As the number of victims and money taken continues to skyrocket, realize that there is hope. ScammerCast is your frontline battlefield for getting educated on the most recent scams, but also how to defend against them. Join us as we detail the processes, the traps, and the solutions to help us all hammer the scammers. Hammer the scammers. It's time for the ScammerCast. Here are your hosts, Curtis Bailey and Art Mays. Welcome back, everyone, to the ScammerCast. This is Curtis Bailey, your co-host. And this is Art Mains, your other co-host for the ScammerCast. And we are thrilled to be talking today with Amy Vandevelde from Oasis. Sponsored by Midwest Trust and Western Union. Welcome, Amy. Hi, great to see you both. And thank you for having me here today. You know, Amy, we talk often on the podcast about keeping seniors active in the community and keeping them connected with other people as a way to insulate them from scams and fraud. And uh, I think your work with Oasis strongly illustrates the value of that. And Would you tell our audience what Oasis is? Sure. The Oasis Institute was founded 33 years ago when our founder discovered that people over 65 were not being actively engaged in much of anything when they were in nursing homes right. or um, assisted living, which really didn't exist at that time. And she became concerned and thought that there should be programming for these people, uh, particularly around lifelong learning, that people should be learning and consistently engaged and also should be telling their stories. And so that's kind of how she started. And that goes right along with everything that I learned in grad school in my uh, master's in social work degree is the key to resilient, healthy aging is to stay connected and lifelong learning, in addition to all the health stuff, the physical health stuff. but. You're right in there with what the research is showing. Right. Well, Marilyn was very ahead of her time because there were, were no studies published at that time like we have when Google today and find <laughs> sure out right. all of these great health benefits. But she discovered that there was a three-pronged approach to uh, successfully aging. And so that includes lifelong learning, but also includes staying active to avoid chronic diseases. Good. And then having a strong social network, which for her at that time came out of being engaged as a volunteer, that right. you would be volunteering in your community. But really, now we talk about social networks in a different way, and it's really about having a large number of people that you stay connected with. So tell us a little more about the organization, Oasis. Uh, how many states are you active in? How many members? All sure. those kinds so of details. We're at what's called a networked nonprofit, and we exist throughout the country. In the beginning, we were a series of several Oasis centers that were private senior centers, but we discovered that we could reach a lot more people if we partnered with community organizations throughout the country. So we're in uh, 24 states, 39 different cities. Uh, some of them are small towns where public libraries have adopted my program. Right. And we have three national programs that can be rolled out by anybody that wants to partner with us. We still have Oasis centers in metropolitan areas around the country, and we provide many lifelong learning things that a lot of people find on the internet and say, could you bring that to my town? So what would be great is if we could have an Oasis center in every city because all people need to stay engaged in lifelong learning. 
I know the folks here in St. Louis that I've talked to who have uh, participated in programs at Oasis just rave about them. I mean, they really love what you guys offer. So clearly you're doing something right. Yeah, we, we are. And I'm very passionate about the work that we do. And I've learned a lot coming into the aging space three years ago. Um, like you said, you learned in graduate school. I, I was completely unaware. But it's very interesting to me to see that my grandparents were actually living that model. They had a, a healthy social network. Right. They stayed active. My, my grandparents rode a tandem bicycle until two <laughs> years great. before they died. <laughs> and so they were engaged in those kinds of pursuits. And that was just natural to me. But for some people, that's not the experience that they've had with their, their family members. Well, it's true. You know, the oftentimes, particularly in a smaller family, I use my family as an example. I'm an only child. My parents were only children. So it's not like we have this big extended family that we can rely on one another. And it's very easily for a senior to get isolated that way. It is. And I think that we we sometimes forget if we have a big family, what it might be like if we were a senior and we didn't have sure. anybody in our life. And that's a really interesting way that um, technology can level the playing field. So if you are an older adult and you don't have a strong social network and you happen to have some kind of physical limitation or you don't have transportation, if the dreaded driver's license has been taken away, then you can use technology to connect with people that you might not have been able to connect with, that you might have never found before, or that you lost track of a long time ago. And there's actually research that proves that that is very beneficial. Do you want to hear about it? I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners would love it too. Yeah, so there's a researcher named Sheila Cotton in Michigan State University, and she's dedicated most of her career to studying isolation and the technology adoption patterns of older adults, particularly people over 65. And she and a group of her cohorts from many universities across the United States published a study showing that if you use the internet and you're over the age of 50, they took the age down for this study, you reported the people reported 33% less depression. That's impressive. It is. I mean, that's better than a lot of the antidepressant medications. It absolutely is. (laughs) (laughs) And so the the thought, they didn't ask the people directly what they were doing online, but we know at Oasis in our 15-year history of conducting technology training that over 70% consistently report that they're doing it to stay connected with someone. That could be a friend, that could be a family member, that could be a grandchild. And more and more in our society, it's our children and grandchildren. And I can say myself that I'm a little bit guilty of this as I become more conversant in using all of my different devices. My dad will text me on the device that I gave him and say, could I please hear your voice? Yeah. Right. Oh, it's time right. to call dad. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, that's good that he reaches out and asks for that. And there is something about hearing your loved one's voice that makes such a difference. It, there is. And so I think that the, the leap is that some of us who get engaged in technology, and I'm talking about my age group, and even younger as I watch my teenage daughters, mm-hmm. and my, he asks them the same thing, could I please talk to you on the phone? Because that's his, he's a he's a sales, a retired salesman. You bet. That's his mode of communication. Yeah, sure. That... We need to focus on that if that's what the older adult wants. But if we can get technology in their hands where they can use video conferencing. So FaceTime is amazing because you can actually see your loved one's face if you can't do it all the time. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting dichotomy for those of us uh, who are sort of in that sandwich generation where we're 
caregivers for our parents, perhaps, and we're also raising children to bridge the gap between the technology leaps. And that's a perfect example. FaceTime or Skype or some sort of video teleconferencing is a nice way to sort of introduce a senior to the benefits of technology, but still being able to maintain that personal connection, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful way to introduce people, particularly people who say, I have no use for that. I have no use for that iPad. <laughs> I do I, hear that. I, I will never, ever, ever get an I iPad. I hear right? it a oh, lot, yeah, right. too. And why would I want to? But when they have the opportunity to see their loved one's face, it makes a huge difference. Those types of applications, and even texting, when I, I heard on the radio, I heard on NPR, actually, that a grandmother was texting her grandchildren. So her former morning routine had been she was the one that dropped them off at school. And when they went to junior high, it wasn't so cool for grandma to drop right. them off to school. Yeah. But the bus can be a very isolating time for children. Imagine that you're on the bus and everybody around you is texting other people. Perhaps all the people around you are texting about you or about something. <laughs> that it, happens. It, that can be very isolating. However, if an older adult that's interested in, and loves that child, if they text every day on the bus, the child looks like they're texting someone and no one knows who it is. And it's a way for this grandmother, she decided to become engaged. So here's how the story went with my mom. She said, I'm not paying for texting. That's so stupid. <laughs> and I said, what if this gave you an opportunity to speak to the grandchildren, you know, in the morning when they're going to school? And she's like, Oh, you know, well, she hadn't thought of that. Well, now she texts all the time with my youngest child. <laughs> Can't get her to stop, can you? Uh, well, it is, it's sort of amusing because she does carry her iPad. You know, the other, the other day when she was down at my house, she came to the table with her iPad in her arm. And I said, can you put that thing down while we eat dinner? <laughs> and she, she smirked at me, of course, because, you know, usually it was, it's me that's the and one your that's teenage daughter, right. And my teenage daughters, right. both. Right. But, but she really enjoys staying connected. And she stays connected with two of her best friends. And they text when she's in St. Louis visiting me. And so, you know, it's, it's good. And I think we still need to, I think it's important and relevant for older adults to be the ones to say, hey, can we have things like they used to be? Can we have a time when we don't connect with someone outside of the room? And that doesn't always go over well, but uh, I've yeah. heard about grandparents who have a basket and say, hey, during dinner, we're going to all right. put our devices right. in the basket. Right. But I know that that also backfires and that nothing's 100%. But if we can meet the kids where they are through texting or one of their modes of communication that they like, then I think they're more likely to come back and communicate in old school ways. Very right. true. That's yeah, a, that's I love a, that. That's, that's a great point. That's really good. That is absolutely right. Well, Amy, tell us how you came to be involved with Oasis and what you do there specifically. Okay. Well, my background is in public relations. I got a degree in public relations, and there weren't any jobs in public relations during the recession of 91. And so I fell into corporate training by accident. And I worked in law firms, Curtis, and trained a lot of attorneys up in Chicago and enjoyed technology and didn't. Um, when I went home at the end of the day, I was really done with technology. And at that time, the internet was just starting. Mm -hmm. We didn't use it for a whole lot at that time. You could do searching and there was some email and, and you know, right. it was very, I mean, this was the early 90s. I, you know, I started my career in 91 is when I graduated law school. And the first firm I worked at, I, I clearly remember the senior partners disavowing any use of any computer. 
Correct. They just oh, yeah. would not even have one yeah. on their desk. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And we changed that at some of the big law yeah. firms I was at in Chicago. They were forced to have a computer. That didn't mean they turned it on. And <laughs> so one of my missions when I was hired was to go out to that group. Um, so it's interesting that you're bringing this up because I never thought about this wrinkle that there I was working with the older partners. Right. And there, there what they would accept was they would accept that I would come into their office one on one and answer their questions so that they weren't in a classroom asking what they perceived as a dumb question right in front of the associates right and no, so attorneys never have ego issues do they n- no not at all right and they also <laughs> like to have their question answered immediately i feel ganged up on <laughs> <laughs> that's okay that's, they, that's right they, they, we know they, you know we love you <laughs> we do well, and, and th- I think the other interesting thing that I found was that attorneys really like to talk. And so I would have trouble in my classes. And, and I personally like to talk, which I know you guys will find really hard to believe. But I would have trouble in my classes keeping them on task because they wanted to talk about other things. And the main thing that the male attorneys, I will say, wanted to do is they wanted to know if they had a 386 or a 486 because they wanted to call their friend from law school at the other firm and say they had better technology. Right. Oh, yes. Um, none Competitive of the women, always. None of the women ever asked me that in the 90s. Maybe they do now, but <laughs> it was amusing. And so I was instrumental in helping older adults at that time, older workers, to embrace. At least they could check their email. And their, their secretaries would say to me, thanks. You know, he's checking his own email. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big deal. Right. So then after that, I took a hiatus from technology and became a chiropractic assistant, of all things, and then um, moved to Portland, Oregon for my ex-husband's job. My daughters were born there, and that is kind of the hotbed or was the hotbed of media literacy. And I got involved with a group of people who were very interested in media messaging and how does that impact people particularly children, is what we were concerned about as parents. And in Portland, Oregon, at that time, a lot of people didn't own TVs, which I thought was just fine because I wanted my girls to have an enriched childhood experience where they were using imaginative play. And so media literacy was really my hook to go back to my communication roots and say, you know, what is the the message out there? And I still think it's very important, and I think it's a, a way that older adults can help their grandchildren and even their children. You know, there's always a message. Uh, no matter what media that you're listening to, there's always a message. And I think that younger people often say, well, it's just a, it's just an ad or it's just, you know, no one's talking to me. Well, someone paid for that and someone paid to get that message in front of you. What is the message there? And it's fun to deconstruct advertisements and say, what are, are they selling something there? Right, and, you know, right. children will say no. And teenagers will say, they're not selling anything. Um, so yeah, it's a they are. Experience. <laughs> Correct. They're selling so, a story, if nothing else. Right. Correct. And they're trying to get eyeballs on their website, most likely, in this day and age. I went from that and did public appearances here, uh, parent trainings in St. Louis, and then was looking, once my children were a little bit older, to get back in the workforce and just happened to stumble on an opening at Oasis for the Connections Program Manager and have been there for three years and just love what we do. That's terrific. Well, great. So what, what do you do in that capacity at Oasis? So I run one of our national training programs, the Oasis Connections Program. And that program was originally started with seed money from the Department of Commerce to help older adults bridge the digital divide. And when the program was started, only 15% of people over 65 were online. Mm. So now we're up to over 60%, closer to 70% of people over 65 are online. Right. And what kind of 
time span is that? So that's in 14 years. In 14 years. Right. Okay. And I'd love to take credit for Oasis Connections doing all of that, but naturally that's not sure. how everybody got online. But you were a player and are a player. We right? are a player nationally, and we've been doing it for, for quite a long time and understand the reasons why people hesitate to use their technology or to even engage in technology. Yeah. The Oasis Connections program is just one of the three national programs that we have. The other one that people in St. Louis might be aware of is our intergenerational tutoring program. And that program has reached over 400,000 children uh, in its 25-year history. And the interesting thing about that, you might say, oh, all of those children were helped with their reading skills. So older adults go into the elementary schools and help kids K through 2 to bolster their reading skills. But the reason that Marilyn started that program 25 years ago is because, like Sheila Cotton's study, there's a measurable health benefit to an older adult being a mentor and being an important person in a child's life. And I still get calls. They don't know who to call it Oasis, but I still get calls from students who are looking to to get together again with their coach wow, and tell them mm. what that tutoring and what that relationship meant to them now that they're in their early 20s or right. they're, they're starting their career. That's terrific. Wow, how cool is that? Yeah, it is. So you have the Connections Program and you have the Intergenerational Tutoring Program. We do. What's the third national program? The third national program is called Catch Healthy Habits, and it's an intergenerational program for helping people prevent obesity and diabetes. So it's an after-school program that helps pairs a children with older adults and the purpose is to do active play and be active together and also to learn about healthy snacks and what we call go foods and woe foods and really everybody needs this kind of education in our culture but specifically the two areas of concern with the growth in diabetes is young children who are getting diabetes and as they never have before, and then older adults who are also getting diabetes and have obesity issues. And those are really not good determinants for health and longevity. As a nonprofit, obviously Oasis relies on private donations, corporate sponsorships for funding, right? We sure do. So I definitely want to encourage our audience to visit the Oasis website. And if you feel so moved, uh, make a donation because it's all of those programs are awesome and important. They are. They, they have impact, and I think that's one of the things that our people feel, our volunteers feel very passionate about the work that they do. I have an instructor cadre across the country of 400 instructors. About half of them are volunteers. The other half who teach technology classes are public librarians or people mm. that work at nonprofits and help people with getting their skills updated or, or getting skills on board, period, for technology. But, yes, it is meaningful work and it's something that people feel really really called to do brilliant i think it's it's fabulous i mean it's clearly a calling and a passion for you and and i've talked to uh folks as who are clients of mine who have been in that mentoring program and and sitting with kids and teaching them to read and that sort of thing and it gives them a real sense of meaning and purpose and they feel like they can still influence the world and and leave an impact which is of course a part of the legacy drive for seniors. They want to know that they have left the world a better place for their presence. So that's, that's right. wonderful. So typically people who are getting into their mid-50s or 50s, they've, they've maybe been at a career solidly for a long time. They've done one thing and suddenly it's no longer got the pop that it had. And they're looking for something that is truly meaningful and, and what kind of legacy they're going to leave. And so we have been really 
delivering this kind of experience for people for over 30 years. And it's it's critical. And even in non-Oasis cities, we see quite a movement of people who are more and more looking for something meaningful to sure. do. They may be continuing to work part-time, though. I mean, I think we need to talk about the economy and right. how it's changed for all three of us in the room, sure. how we're going to retire, when we're going to retire. If we're going to if retire. We're going, <laughs> if we're going to retire, right. for, particularly for people my age. Right. Those are things that, but they, but people want to be busy, mm-hmm. and being busy typically is, is quite helpful in health outcomes. Having right. things to do and in feeling that you're part of something is, is really critical. Right. Now, somewhere in, in the constellation of cool things that Oasis does, you guys have a cybersecurity training program, which is a part of what led us to connect. So could you say a little bit more about that? Sure. So in the past, what we've had to offer for a long time is our Safety and Privacy Online, which is an online class. It's a class that people can take in uh, Oasis centers or in any public library or, or senior center that we are in currently. That is really a self-identified group of people who say, I'm concerned about privacy and I want to take a class and I want to improve my skills. Now, you and I, we all know that there's a number of people who say, I'm just not going to go there. And so we recognize that and have partnered with Wells Fargo um, to create a program called Friends Fighting Fraud. And the model for this uh, came about from discussions with Wells Fargo, but also from the FTC's Pass It On program, which is a great program and people can get free materials from the FTC website by Googling Pass It On. And here I want to reference our episode of the ScammerCast with Ted Weiner, who Correct. is a huge advocate of the Pass It On program and uh, has a wealth of perspective on how seniors make themselves vulnerable. So I would refer all of our listeners to our episode with Ted Weiner called Are They Exposed? And I know you guys over at Oasis here in St. Louis are huge Ted Weiner fans. We are. So we were very blessed to have Ted be the pilot instructor for this Friends Fighting Fraud class, which I actually attended. And the the great thing about it is it's a it's set up as a discussion group. And Oasis is very famous in their centers for discussion groups, particularly in our Washington, D.C. and our San Diego Metropolitan Oasis Centers. If you can imagine in D.C. who might attend Oasis, former judges, former sure. um, and people who are really about thinking. And these uh, discussion groups get very, very heated and very and very, it's a great place for people to go and talk. Love to be a fly on the wall there. I would too. And so this was set up the same way where we want people to discuss, not necessarily disclose that they've been hacked because that tends to be very humiliating right. and embarrassing. Yeah. But yeah. I think that what we want to encourage people is they can go to these things. They don't have to self-identify. They can say, you know, I heard about a story that, and it can be their own story and they don't have to say it happened to them. But the idea is that by getting people together and getting people talking about about it everybody gets educated and right. the, the the call to action is to go out and pass it on exactly tell other people about what your experience was and that way we all learn because you both know and I know that every day there's something new there's something right. new that people have to be on alert for right how do we all keep up with that if we podcast every day we, we might not be able to keep <laughs> them up to date so it's about your social network and talking to them. Yeah, it's amazing how scams will change and mutate and evolve over time. And 
the grandparent scam of two years ago is completely different from the grandparent scam of today. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And there's a wealth of Facebook scams as we think about how seniors use technology to build connection. There's just tons of Facebook scams out there. One recent estimate that I read is over 600,000 active Facebook scams. It's just shocking. Yeah, it's it's really an ongoing problem. And, and wherever we go, that's where the scammers are going to go. And, right. and so we, we all know that. And we want people to continue to, to be safe. But also by discussing this and knowing other people and alerting other people in your life, you can be a help. And, and then it it's becomes a two-way conversation and you keep it going. Yeah. And as part of that effort, you have a book I know you're very proud of. Uh, would you please uh, tell our audience about it? Yeah. So if, for the Fraud Fighters program, there's a book called Safety and Privacy Online. And that book you have to get by mm-hmm. going to a class. But there's something new that I'm doing in Connections Technology that I wanted to tell you about. And that is uh, a book on mobile accessibility. So when we all hear people say, you know, there's really no good reason for me to get a smartphone, there's really no good reason for me to get an iPad, there are good reasons. And one of them is making text bigger and maybe pairing your hearing aids with devices so that if, you're, if you've got hearing aids, you can hear better in certain situations. Or maybe you can make that device use a LED alert and flash at you to tell you that a message is coming in. So most people are going to age into some kind of disability and most boomers and and going back generations most people don't want to admit that there's anything going on so if you talk to their caregiver or their children they will say oh he can't hear but He's going to tell you that everything's just fine. Just fine. No problems. And so this has been a little bit of a conundrum for us at Oasis because we've offered classes in the past and people wouldn't show up because Mm -hmm. they don't want to identify. They don't have a disability. The stigma. Yeah. Right. So accessibility is actually about making things easier for people to use, period. Now, in the old days, accessibility was helping people with in wheelchairs to access buildings we think about physical accessibility the americans with disabilities act the americans with disabilities act which was passed 25 years ago and that legislation was pretty targeted to helping people get in and out of buildings if you remember it was curb cuts it was elevators all right now curb cuts have been a tremendous thing for lots of people for runners for mothers pushing strollers yes a lot of us use curb cuts use ramps that didn't used to be there. Use elevators for a variety of reasons. So when we talk another way of aging into disability is if you have to have elective surgery, shoulder surgery, or uh, knee surgery, or something that's going to impact your mobility, you may want to use that elevator for a certain amount of time. Right. So when people see on a smartphone or a tablet uh, an icon called accessibility, they usually pass right over it and say, I don't know what that is. And accessibility is about features that help you to use that device in a different way. So you've you've mentioned enlarging text. So what are the two or three most important features that would make devices more accessible for our senior citizens? So in the book that we've published that people can download for free, it's about, I think it's called, there's there's three different aspects. There's making the text size bigger. There's also making it bolder or fatter so that it's easier to read. And um, you can also change the contrast. So if you're a person that has certain types of eye problems, you can change the colors on your phone, which a lot of people don't know. So sometimes you can have a black screen with white text. Right. 
and that can be much easier for someone to read. So it's about going through the different options. Our book walks you through how to do that and seeing what works for you. If you know that you have a specific eye problem, your eye doctor might help you say, you know, you need to check in on contrast and figure that out. But some people just stumble onto something that is, oh, that's much easier to read, and, and I'm going to use that feature. I was thinking about the uh, recent move toward text-to-speech or text-to-audio. Right. Do you cover that in your book, too? We do. And, in fact, uh, the Ken Sharbo, who writes our books, he said, we don't need to do that. And I said, it's 100% critical. And the reason is that most people who are in the demographic that we're talking about, if they learn to type, they learned on an actual typewriter. Right. And yeah. the keys are tactile and you can feel them. Right. A soft keyboard is not tactile and the, the keys on a smartphone in particular, but even on a tablet, are tiny. Very right. small. And typing that way, you don't use the, I forget, my typing teacher would be disappointed, but you know, when you have your, te- <laughs> your, your fingers on the home row, right. you don't type that way on a soft keyboard. On an Android or an iOS phone and, and probably a Windows phone, you push the microphone button and you start speaking and speech recognition will type out mostly accurately yeah. what you've just said. And so that is a shortcut for people um, who don't know how to type on the soft keyboard or can't see those small keys to hit them properly. Yeah, I think that's really helpful for people. I mean, I find it helpful when I'm doing case notes in my clinical practice because sometimes I'm in a hurry and I don't want to sit there and type on the the glass of my iPad and I'll just speak it. And like you say, most of the time it's pretty accurate. I have to fix a few things just because I have a little perfectionist streak. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I know that's shocking. Most of the time it's pretty accurate. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, it's a feature that I'm using quite frequently now um, because I think it's so much easier and I enjoy it. And, of course, I also have a lot to say. So my friends tease me about how long my texts are. <laughs> you know, do you use punctuation in your text? And I'm like, yes, I do, what is period. <laughs> well, we are visiting today with Amy Vandevelde from Oasis Connections. And as Amy said, we will post a link to the book and all of the resources that she has mentioned thus far. It's time for us to take a break, but stay tuned. We'll be right back here at ScammerCast.com. It's time to take a break during this episode of the ScammerCast. Have you liked our effort on Facebook? Visit the link via our website at ScammerCast.com and be sure to share any of our informative articles with your friends and family. It's all about education and protecting our seniors. We'll be right back. A recent study found that most older adults fear running out of money during their retirement years, even more than their fear of death. A trust can be an effective way to manage and protect your assets while you're alive. Now, many folks believe that trusts are only for rich people. They are not. Midwest Trust Company of Missouri, located in Clayton, Missouri, offers professional trust management for clients all across the country. Using Midwest Trust is a great way to know that someone with experience and integrity will manage your wealth objectively. Naming Midwest Trust can provide you with peace of mind in knowing that you or your parents will not be exploited financially and lose all of the assets acquired during a lifetime of hard work. Midwest Trust will even work with you or your parents' own financial advisor. Don't let fear of running out of money drive your life. Contact Midwest Trust Company today by visiting the link to their website at scammercast.com. The discipline to grow. The strength of experience. The ability 
to adapt. Values that endure. Midwest Trust. There was a day when the villain was easy to spot. These days are different. Today, scammers impersonate their victims' loved ones and make up an urgent situation. I've been arrested. I've been mugged. I'm in the hospital. And plead for money to resolve it. At Western Union, we want to help. We remind you to never send money to people you haven't met in person. And always verify before you send. You work hard for your money. Don't let a few minutes with a scammer separate you from what's taken days, weeks, or even a lifetime to work for. Western Union. Move money for better. Join in a unique, interactive experience as we put you inside the mind and heart of the law enforcement professional and delve into the culture of policing. Hi, I'm Mike Wilkerson from the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, where I've reviewed hundreds of police procedural television programs and movies. But the question remains, does Hollywood get it right? What does it really feel like when you search for a suspect inside an abandoned building? The fear. The adrenaline. The unknown. Law enforcement training for the arts, or LIDA, is an experience like no other. Fingerprints. Ballistics. DNA. Our team of professionals have numerous years in law enforcement to include those with experience in the United States Secret Service, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the FBI, the United States military, along with other local, state, and federal entities. Our unique facilities offer the same interactive courses that the police themselves use to train. This will be an experience of a lifetime that you'll never forget. Check out the details now at LITAConference.com. That's L-E-T-A Conference.com. And sign up for the upcoming convention. Seats are limited, but we're eager to see you behind the thin blue line. LITAConference.com. L-E-T-A Conference.com. Go behind the badge. Welcome back to ScammerCast, your headquarters for the education and prevention of scams against our elders. Let's dig back in with your hosts, Curtis Bailey and Art Maines. Welcome back to thescammercast.com, and we are talking today with Amy Vandevelde from Oasis Connections. So, Amy, tell us a little bit more about what you're working with in terms of technology and seniors. Well, we run the gamut um, of people starting out at the beginning and keeping people updated. So we still have a good number of people who are using flip phones. Yeah, my parents, number one. <laughs> my dad still has a flip phone. And I meet people who hear me speak and then say, I, you know, I'm not sure I want to show you that I have this flip phone. And I say, hey, if it's working for you, I'm completely fine. I'm not here to sell you a smartphone or a tablet. Right. I flip want phone you to shame. Know. Yeah. I, don't, I want you to know, though, that if you decide to get a tablet at some point, there are beneficial reasons for doing so. You may not know that I've already told you about the Oasis Connections program, but one thing that Connections was not originally designed to address was cell phones, particularly flip phones. And our people came to us and said, can you give us a class on 
flip phones. And our, my predecessor said, we, we don't train on phones, we train on computers. And so we went to uh, my primary funder, which is the AT&T Foundation, and we asked AT&T, can you help us out? And so since 2008, we've been offering what our people call cell phone classes. And it's a one-on-one -on -one opportunity to meet with someone who works in an AT&T store and get your one or two burning questions answered. Wow, what a great program. That so is great. Do the volunteers then come to the Oasis Center and that's where the uh, training is delivered? They do because in the past, AT&T stores did not have classrooms. Now, some of that's changing because they Good. recognize that seniors, there are 10,000 people who turn 65 every day for the next 20 years. Right. There's a lot of people that want to come to the store and get their question answered. And I wish we had Oasis Centers in every city because we could help them. Which leads us back to training and we are one of the best providers of technology training in the United States. And I would have to agree with that. I mean, we've looked at your program that you offer and your, your handout that you use in your technology training program, and, and I was frankly very impressed. It's very robust. But going to your, and it's not just AT&T, all of the big carriers have stores and some of them are building classrooms. Apple has classrooms in some cities, some they don't, uh, but they offer one-on-one -on -one training and of course the Genius Bar people are familiar with. Right. And in addition, the Microsoft Store also offers that kind of help. So there's lots of places for people to get help and the reason is because there's so many people who need help. And it seems to me that that personal one-on-one -on -one training is very important, particularly for seniors, because sending them to, you know, the support tab on a website to watch a right. video or right. to read something, that's horribly intimidating for a senior, isn't it? I, I believe it is. And I think that if we remember the way that for, for all of us in the room, the way we learned was in a classroom environment. Now, there are people who don't enjoy a classroom environment and not everything has to be held in a classroom. But for the most part, people who can learn things in an online fashion, they're already doing it. We're talking to people who, who aren't comfortable with that and places that they can go. I mean, another major place that all people can go and get amazing help is the public library. And yes, so yeah, those librarians are what I call the nation's help desk. They're getting every question on every kind of device. Right. But, but again, it's great to know where you can get help. And I mean, podcasts like this are one method where people can learn different options that are available for them. And that's a world that I really try to highlight when I'm out doing presentations. I mean, of course, in part because I am a podcaster, but also because I have been amazed at the wealth of knowledge and information that is available through podcasts and the opportunities for connection. I mean, if you really are interested in 1940s swing music, there's a podcast for you out there. That's right. And it goes to people in this demographics default. They grew up with radio as a source of information. Yes. And so that's interesting. I personally have always loved radio. It's my favorite medium. And right. that's just me. I think that many in my generation and even my 18 year old is listening to tons of podcasts. She, she loves it. And so it's a great way. I think that Diane Rehm, who I'm a big fan of, says yes. that radio is a very intimate kind of medium. And I believe that that's true. And that's why I enjoy doing this kind of work. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I still have m vivid memories of my great grandfather, who was a diehard baseball fan. He would have the TV on with the volume off and the radio broadcast on to listen to the baseball game 
while he could watch it on his TV set. So he was multitasking before it was hit. Absolutely. Right. No doubt about it. Because you know, no now people it. are tweeting while they're watching a show or watching the game. And yeah. personally, that doesn't work for me, but a lot of people are doing it. It's so true. It's so true. And going back to the flip phone thing, one item that we haven't highlighted enough here at the ScammerCast is that Avoiding a smartphone doesn't mean that you avoid scams that can come in over your telephone. I mean, we've all heard now, or most of us have heard, about how because you have a smartphone, they are like a miniature computer in your pocket. And so that means that the possibility of a scam or identity theft pitch can come in on one of those at any time. But people may not realize that there is this little-known term called smishing. And you know, I always tell my folks in presentations that when you get into this world, there's a lot of strange words and weird yeah. vocabulary you learn. <laughs> How do you so, spell that? <laughs> yeah, smishing is S-M-I-S-H-I-N-G. And it's a combination, a sort of run together of the idea of SMS, which is short message service, which is the technology platform that people use for texting, and the idea of phishing with the PH where the scammers are looking for your money or your personal information or both. And I personally, before I got my first iPhone, got one of these texts on my old flip phone. This is back in like 2009, 2010, something like that. And it was this text that said, there is a problem with your account at so-and-so credit union and click here, or I think it was called this number actually, to verify your account. And I thought, okay, well, even at that point, I knew enough not to do that. I had just started researching it. Bill's scam had just happened. And so uh, it came in right over my old flip phone. And so I did a little scam baiting on that that day. Uh, I had unlimited uh, data or whatever, minutes or something like that. And so I called the number. And when they got the pre-recorded voice that said, this call may be recorded for customer quality and all that stuff, I went, yeah, right. <laughs> so that says, please enter your account number. So I sat there and for like 30 minutes entered Three 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 five 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 six 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 six, and just tried to try tie up their line for a half hour, and I have no idea if I prevented anybody from actually getting ripped off, but it sure felt good to get back at those dirty scammers. I love that. That's, I have not heard of smishing before today, so lifelong learning is happening right here on ScammerCast. Yeah, it's it's a weird world, you know. You you've got that kind of thing, and now there's vishing where they call you with a scam call over your telephone that you get through the internet that stands for mm. voice over internet protocol so they call that vishing i mean there's sure. just all these weird words right, that you hear right you know that raises an interesting question and on the break we were talking about this uh, you know there are notions out there as art mentioned about seniors saying look i don't want to get a smartphone because of the possibility of me being scammed and defrauded I mean, is that really and truly one of the reasons why seniors are, are refusing to adopt those kinds of devices and certain technologies? It sure is. And uh, some one of the leading researchers on Internet adoption and broadband adoption in the United States is named John Horrigan, and he works for the Pew Research Group in Washington, D.C. And he says that although... It's some of the main things that we think are, that's the cost and there's there's just, it's not relevant to me. I don't see any relevancy to this to me. The hearing on the news all the time about hacking and fraud and scams heightens people's awareness that maybe this is something I don't want to do. So his data that I saw in February of this year showed that 
definitely this the fear of being hacked is is right up there with their reluctance to adopt this technology having said that it's going to be harder and harder for people not to adopt technology as the government moves to make people use the internet to access medicare and social security so how do you get around it that is going to be an ongoing issue for people as we move forward right you know uh Art and I, and uh, you as well, uh, presented uh, at a previous American Society on Aging conference uh, called Aging in America. And we attended, uh, when we had time, uh, a breakout session with two attorneys from the Social Security Administration. Yes, I remember. And a question from the audience was, why should I set up my online uh, Social Security account? I don't want to uh, because of the fear of being hacked. And the, the official response back was, if you don't set it up, someone else will set up a fake account for you. It's true, and it's unfortunate, but really we're trying to empower people here and get them to to take the steps necessary to protect their identity, and that is that is the reality. And controlling their online presence, whether it's – their deliberate efforts to do that or preventing someone else from taking over it because one of the common Facebook scams is Facebook cloning. They will impersonate the the actual Facebook user and create a phony page, get people to like it or accept friend requests, and then hit them with scam requests. Like, uh, you know, Curtis, you had a story about that, didn't I you? I did, yeah. I have a very dear client who um, her husband recently passed away, long-term marriage, and she's now getting her feet back underneath her. And so she joined Facebook so that principally she could stay in touch with her family, which is scattered all over the country. And uh, she received a friend request from an old high school friend. And after a couple text messaging on Facebook back and forth, hi, how you doing, long time no see, all of a sudden the uh, alleged friend says, hey, I just won $50,000. I don't remember the amount, but uh, I saw your name on the winner's list. All you need to do is contact this guy over here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, you, you hear something like that from somebody you believe is an old friend. Wow, I'm going to check it out. So she did contact the third person. But when the third person started asking for personal information, then she said, wait a minute, there's a problem here, mm -hmm. and immediately terminated the contact, which is awesome. And then she called me to ask about it. It's unfortunate that there will always be the, the unscrupulous people out there that are going to try to take advantage of any technology. But the point is, and what you're trying to communicate is, have a healthy respect for it, but learn how to use it appropriately, right? Right, and mm -hmm. knowledge is power, and I know it gets overwhelming. I, I think that you and uh, we all feel the same oh, overwhelming sure. sense of, okay, now I've worked all day, and now I've gotta go home and, and take care of my online presence, or, or mm -hmm. I've got this email mm -hmm. that I just mm -hmm. got, and is this real, or and sorting that out, and it is time consuming, and it's not where most of us grew up thinking about that. If we want to get a message True. out to lots of people, right. it would have been really hard to do, but it is really important. I mean, that reminds me of something that I just heard about, and you may have seen on Facebook as well, these appeal stories. Um, the one that was highlighted in an NPR story on 
on the media was about a Canadian Mountie whose wife right. died. I heard about she this. She was pregnant, so the baby died, and there were these children surviving. So it's an appeal story about these poor people in Canada. Well, it just so happens that a woman who was a researcher and was laid up with surgery was at home, and she thought, now... How many things could go wrong in someone's life, realistically? Yeah, right. And started digging into it. And this was uh, started by a woman in Ohio. And apparently, the, the I can't remember the researcher's name, but she's discovered that there's a group of women who are about 40 that will instigate these kinds of appeal scams. So kind of really interesting to think about, yeah. as art always teaches us about, you know, what does a scammer look like? And yeah. I sat there and thought this reminds me of art that you know there's there's these people out there who are are having these scams and appealing to pe- people who think oh my gosh that's a terrible story and I'm going to donate 10 bucks sure. it's a subset of a phony charity scam and uh, I would again refer our listeners to our episode on the five flags the uh, emotions that scammers use to hook people and get them to part with their money or their information. And the ones that are standing out for me are sympathy. I mean, sympathy for sure. Mm -hmm. And maybe anger over, you know, that poor guy has been treated so badly and life has beat him up. And, uh, you know, these are the emotional hooks that get people going. So, again, I would refer our listeners back to our episode called The Five Flags. Sounds great. Indeed. So, Amy, those seniors that are using the internet, yeah. you know, because you've mentioned there are, uh, what, 60%? Is that the it's, statistic? It's, I think we're up to 69% okay. with the latest Pew numbers. All and right. when Connections started, there were only about 14% of people over 65 using the internet. So, I mean, that's a huge mm-hmm. growth in a 14-year period. You bet it is. And what are they doing um, online? Well, primarily over 50% are looking for health information, sure. as you can imagine. Right. And so, you know, our goal is always to drive them to evidence-based health information, not right junk information. (laughs) They are consuming news. Uh, They like to consume radio that way. And as I already mentioned, our own statistic is 74% year over year are staying connected with loved ones. So those are the main drivers for getting online. Are they using the internet, do you think, the way they they want to? Are they utilizing it fully? I'm going to reference John Horrigan again. He just published uh, data recently that, you know, most people who are over 50 are using the internet, but they mostly are not doing what they want to do. So if you couple that with the number of people who aren't yet online because of all the reasons we just said, you've got about 92% of people over 50 aren't doing everything they want to do. And so that leaves us in this country with a real issue. How do we help people gain and maintain technology skills as technology morphs into all kinds of different things that we, different applications, different, the interfaces change. So you go to Facebook, the Internet of Things is a whole nother area where uh, devices might not even be chosen by you, but your doctor may say you need this device to monitor health. So this is going to have huge implications. And so my my appeal would be that we figure out a way to have some kind of a national training program. And, of course, I would love Oasis Connections to be that. But we do what we can in the places where we are. And um, that remains an issue, I think, for this country as as the government moves us to, to use Internet-based technology. Right. Where is the support? for people and how do they get help. And, and we I've mentioned several places for them to get help. Our website is one. We've got the free book that we mentioned, but I also have uh, shared a link on free tip sheets. So taking a better picture, we have a free tip sheet on avoiding phishing. 
Great. And HTTPS Great. sites, which I'm Good. sure you've discussed before, secure Definitely. websites. Right. So those are free resources that anybody who has the internet can get and download and print if they would like paper copies. And and give our listeners those web addresses. And we, of course, will have them in the show notes for scammercast.com. Sure. So our main website is oasisnet.org and Oasis Connections if they're interested in the technology or Oasis Tutoring if they're interested in the tutoring program. So our website is very voluminous and there's tons of information. We have great blogs available for all kinds of things about life after 50 and then we have a technology blog that's dedicated to just talking about technology issues and I want to mention that all of these things are made possible by our funders uh, for connections that's primarily the AT&T Foundation and the CEA Foundation um, and so we're really proud to do the work that they ask us to do which is keeping people up to speed with their technology. And, of course, we are passionate about making sure that they know the risks and know how to avoid them when it comes to scams, frauds, identity theft, all the different ways that people can get ripped off. Yeah. Whether online or over the phone or whatever it might be. Yeah. So what, uh, Amy, just in the time we have remaining today, what do you see is the extension of the Friends Fighting Fraud program? Well, I think that we, we want Friends Fighting Fraud to expand as much as it can. But if you aren't in an Oasis community, you can start your own Friends Fighting Fraud group. Just go to the FTC and get their their packet and it's meant to help people facilitate their own groups and I think that a lot of people just like Ted feel very passionate about this and want to share there's certain kind of people I think they're identified as connectors Um, and so connectors are people that go out and try to help everybody figure out different solutions to their problems so we're going to do all we can to expand the Friends Fighting Fraud program in our networks again there's there's a lot of information available from from scammercast.com, from the FTC. And I think that people just, you know, as they get aware, they're going to find more resources and be able to tell those stories and help each other. And that's really, really critical. Right, right. Well, Amy, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Scammercast today. Would you once again tell our audience uh, the name of the book and how they can access the book? Yes. It's called Mobile Accessibility, A Guide to Seeing and Hearing Better with Your Smartphone or Tablet. And it is available on the Oasis Connections landing page. So Oasis can be found at oasisnet.org. We do collect your email address because we want to report how many people, how many downloads we're getting. But at Oasis, uh, we will never sell your information to a third party. It's only for keeping in touch with our funders and who is accessing this kind of information. Because they're looking for return on their funding investment. They absolutely are. They right. want to know how many people they're reaching. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, uh, are there any other ways that uh, individuals who are interested in learning more can contact you specifically? They sure can. The best way to find me, Art and Kurt, is to go to LinkedIn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, my name is a little bit, it's not difficult, but it's long. It's Van Develdi, so Amy Van Develdi. You can find that link at scammercast.com for this episode. Sure. Well, Amy, we're delighted that you could join us today, and you've had such a great wealth of information for our listeners, and, and we will look forward to having you back again in the future. Well, I would love it, and likewise, I've learned so much from getting to know you, and it's been a really fun ride since March, so thanks. Uh, well, we want to encourage everyone to visit uh, scammercast.com. 
please, please, please click on the links that Amy has provided us. Go visit the Oasis website. Take a look at the wealth of programs. I mean, I'm just amazed when I see the curriculum that Oasis publishes about the different kinds of programs and courses that you can access. I think if you do that, you'll find something that you, you will enjoy, and please go go visit them. I want to also encourage our audience to um, let us know your thoughts, your comments uh, on our website at scammercast.com, or please visit us at iTunes and search for ScammerCast and leave us a rating or review. And if you like the show and uh, if you would do us a favor and tell your friends and your family, we want to get the word out as much as we possibly can about healthy aging, but also how to stay safe from scams and frauds. And as always, remember to hammer the scammers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the ScammerCast your headquarters for education and protection of our elderly from scams worldwide. Be sure to visit us at scammercast.com where you can send us your stories and tips, as well as send us your feedback, visit our Facebook presence, and more. Thank you for listening to this episode, and until next time, hammer the scammers. The information we share in this podcast is meant for informational and educational purposes only and should never substitute for appropriate legal, financial, or medical advice from qualified professionals. Always consult with an attorney, physician, or financial professional for the correct advice for your particular situation.